Hey, y'all, coming up on pod number one here on the Tuesday, March 21st, 2023 edition here on the Chase Smith Podcast. We got, yeah, that SEC podcast, Mike Bratton coming on to talk all things SEC. Uh, his big interview with Paul Feinbaum uh, last week, some Texas A&M questions, uh, South Carolina and Florida, who's more likely uh, to miss uh, making a bowl game this year, Tommy Reese hired at Alabama, some ball uh, big questions with their schedule. If LSU could be considered the favorite to win the national title in the SEC this year. So all things SEC football with that SEC mic and that SEC podcast. Um, so go check that out uh, uh, on the Blue Wire Pod Network um, along with our show. So yeah, uh, that SEC podcast coming up right after this. Don't forget, folks, you can email the program, Podcast at gmail.com. And if you are an Apple podcast or Spotify listener, and this is your first time or your subscriber and you like what you hear, please, please, please make sure you leave this show a five-star rating and a review. It helps other people find the show and it helps this very show continue to grow. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello. Welcome back. Chase Thomas Podcast, taping this on a Monday afternoon. First-timer fellow Blue Wireian. You know him from that SEC podcast, a very good college football show that you should go subscribe to. Check it out if you are not already. Mike, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Hey, Chase. Thanks for having me, man. I'm doing well. How many people actually know your last name? Are When they see you out, are they just like SEC Mike? Do people just think you don't have a last name at this point? Is your last name now Mike and your first name is SEC? Are you going to get that illegally changed? What's the future here? Well, I mean, the first time someone recognized me in public will be... Oh, I screwed that up already. That The next time will be the first time. So, <laughs> hey, I don't have to deal with that. I'm not that famous, so and I don't want to be, so... Uh, people just—I don't even actually go by Mike. I mean, maybe that's like an inside secret, but it just SEC Michael just doesn't have the same ring as SEC Mike. Hold on, do we want to reveal on air what you actually go by? Are you saying like family and friends call you something completely different? Is it just another variation of Mike? Is it a different name entirely? What what's going on here? Yeah, maybe I'll I'll, I'll leave that maybe for the next time. That's oh. a cliffhanger there. I like it. Um. You did a great interview that I listened to the other day with Paul Feinbaum um, on your show. So go check that out, folks, if you have not already on YouTube um, over on that SEC podcast. And I want to ask you one thing about Paul. Um, After spending an hour with him, what do you like more about Paul Feinbaum, the person? Um, I mean, he's just a great guy. He's always Mm -hmm. been a great guy. And I don't have a bad thing to say about him. Uh, He's always going out of his way to help me and I have no idea why I got no relationship with him whatsoever other than uh, being on his show and yeah I mean I couldn't believe it you you'd be amazed man the people that um, you know last well now two weeks ago since we're recording was the SEC championship game I had a number of people lined up many of them did come through so I'm very appreciative for everybody I did get but a lot of people ghosted me. A lot of people said they'd come by, didn't come by. I don't want to, you know, name any names because that's, I, I feel like no one owes me anything. Like you reached out to me, you know, I don't know you, but, you know, you try to be a good guy. You try to do these shows. So I'm very appreciative of everybody that came through. But a number of them did reach out after that Paul Feinbaum video went up. And, uh, you know, they, 
before that it was even posted you know i never i didn't hear back from them and we're talking about a week here and they all not all of them but most of them you know apologized not that they not that i needed that or anything but um i just thought that was kind of cool but to, to really answer your question i mean paul is he's the only one and I've, I've done about a dozen interviews in that downtown nashville studio so it's the rca building it's mm-hmm. you know famous recording artists go through that he's the only one i've ever had in there that wanted to go through the whole thing and wanted to learn history about it and and just a, a really cool guy and he actually stayed about a half hour after the show and we just kind of talked shop uh, i don't want to get into what we talked about but again he didn't have to do any of that he didn't even have to show up and he did so um i, I got nothing but nice things to say about paul he's he's a very outstanding guy it seems like to me one of the most difficult things in media and i don't know if you shared this that you have to be more conscientious to stay curious right to not formulate these takes or formulate these beliefs and then you get lazy i think that's where laziness uh creeps in and it could be uh just subconscious that it starts to creep in and you start mailing it in paul doesn't strike me as that guy he seems still innately curious i think that's part of the reason he still does these um which you picked his brain about um with taking so many calls is i really think when he has you on, when he has front of the show Chris Marler, whether it's callers, whoever, if it's the head coach of Mizzou, it doesn't it doesn't matter. It, his tone and his interest in the guest and interest in learning always shines through the most. And I think that was something that I took away from yours is that and it doesn't surprise me that he stayed uh, 30 minutes after with you because he just seems like that down to earth. Like he really does just like learning and listening to other folks and gaining other perspectives on where other folks are coming from and just I, may, being a smarter college football broadcaster is the sense that I got. Is that fair? Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. And uh, just kind of doing it your own way, doing things mm-hmm. a little bit differently. I, th- I think that's, is that, that was kind of the theme. I, I you know, you don't want to go in in an interview having it all already set up and, and knowing where it's going to go. But um, that's just the sense that I got just studying his career. So it was kind of, it was kind of cool to go down memory lane, and it, he seemed to agree with uh, with kind of that take. You just got to be a little bit different, man, because there are probably hundreds of people that could be Paul Feinbaum, but for whatever reason, they did they played it safe, or uh, you know, like he was telling the story when he was a student journalist. Um, I mean, he basically got thrown off the Tennessee beat. He got uh, privileges, traveling privileges revoked. One of the the coaches, according to him, you know, physically threatened him. And if they did that to me today, I'd probably fall in line. And we're talking a, a you know a student journalist here that instead of falling in line, he went a different way. And it may have taken a little while, but clearly it paid off for him. And uh, so he's definitely an inspiration. Who, who like when you got started with your show and building out your set and everything, did you have a particular like guy or just show that you grew up listening to? Because um, I know people ask me that is just like, who do you model your show after and stuff like that? And I don't know. I think it's just different things. It's like when you read a lot of books and you when you find your voice, like you just do it and then you figure out what your actual voice is. But you don't really realize what you've taken from different books, you know, because you're mm-hmm. absorbing different things and then you try different things and you find what feels more natural uh, for you as you go. Like, how how did you come up with your format? Because like you've got it nailed down now and you feel you seem pretty comfortable with um what you're going to do with the show week in week out and i think listeners know what to expect um did that take a long time and 
also did it just was it kind of one of those organic things or did you actually have like this is the kind of show that i want to be yeah i i mean i don't know that's kind of a broad question but um you know growing up i i listened to the solid verbal love them yeah yeah i mean they still do a great job but when i listen to the stuff like that you know and then they'll be like well let's talk southern cal football Mm -hmm. and i'm like i mean that's good at all for them but I don't care about that, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I wanted more SEC centric. Bill Simmons was a big mm-hmm. inspiration for me, uh, and until he started talking more about being a dad than than sports, and then it, you know, <laughs> so I take little pieces from a little bit of every. Paul, of course, uh, Clay Travis. Uh, he's got a couple of SEC books that are just really outstanding. I don't really follow him anymore because he's a little too political for me. Which, if that's your thing, that's fine. But I've just I stay in my lane and I just do sports. Pat McAfee, I love, but I, I mean, he's so unique. I think it, it'd be a ripoff if you just tried to be college version of Pat McAfee. He's just, he's like a damn unicorn. Mm. So a little bit of all that, and I like Joe Rogan a lot. Um, I don't like everything he's, he says either. I think it's foolish to just fall in line with what, what everybody says. But, you know, he, he is just so massive, and it's because he's gone his own way, mm. and he doesn't have influence. And... Um, you know, he talks about what he's passionate. I, I've literally never had someone on my show that I didn't want to have on the show. Hmm. We've had people pitch to us, you know, uh, one time I've told this story before. I don't want to name his name, but we had some famous country musician. He's a big SEC guy. He, it wasn't him. It it must've been like his publicist or something. I can't remember, but they wanted to come on and I looked him up and I was like, wow, he's got millions of followers. Yeah. Let's get him on the show. And then they, and then he ghosted us. So, and again, it may not even be him. It may have just been the publicist. But that, to me, that was like, uh, to me, that that was, that was the universe telling me, don't have these people on because they have a following. I mean, that's that's not who I am, and uh, that's that's not what I want my show to be. I want it to be people that I, I genuinely want to have on and, and want to have a conversation with. I think. You- um one of the things that people don't see is like with you and i'm sure like hoops you jumped through to get paul and different folks on over the years they just see the after the fact you know like fans don't know like how many hoops it takes like when you're booking your own show like for me like weekend weekend like just getting like it's hard to go everything to plan a show read everything you need to read watch everything you need to watch and also chop everything up do social like we're doing it all and it's one i think the hardest part for me that i tell folks i'm like it's booking because i have to keep up with stuff that i'm normally not keeping up with i'm like uh when did i circle back like um i want to get this person on at this time and then i can do this and it's it's hard and then you have to have just super thick skin because you will get ghosted you will think something's gonna pop and it's not like it's it's a tough world booking booking shows and you think you're taking two steps forward you're like oh i got this person that means i'll probably and then you're like two steps back and you're like nope i'm not gonna be able to get that person right now it's it's a tough world booking your own show no no matter how i guess what quote unquote big you get it's hard yeah it it certainly can be but um again i also think if you're kind of if you're too reliant on guests then mm-hmm. it, is it really your show or is it a guest guest show? You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, the show itself has got to be, you got to get people to tune in for it, I feel like. Yeah. And the reason I love having guests is just because I don't want to be so repetitive. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm too worried about that because we do so much weird stuff on my show, but, uh, and we just go daily news, but uh, sometimes there's not a lot of news. So that that's clearly when a good guest 
could uh, fill a void. And, and I just really want it to be, you know, we, we try to walk a fine line. We're trying to be entertaining and we're trying to be informative. And we, we certainly don't take ourselves too seriously. I like it. Um, let's talk actual football, Mike. Um, team you can't stop thinking about this spring in the SEC is who? Um, maybe Texas A&M. Why? Because I'm trying to put my finger on what they could be. And, mm. um, you know, I think they they're certainly could be a lot better than they were last year. But um, <laughs> clearly, I mean, no, one's, no one saw that train wreck coming. But uh, mm. I don't think they're as bad as they showed. Um, I think they could be a lot more improved this upcoming season. So that would be one. Uh, Alabama, I'm, I'm very interested to see because I've been kind of riding the train for about a decade that the dynasty's over. <laughs> and every every time they – I mean, I, I swear, it's, it's weird, Chase. Every time I picked Alabama to win the SEC, they don't. Mm. And every time I pick against them, they win it. So um, Alabama's probably going to win it next year because <laughs> I don't think I'm, I'll be picking them. I, mm. I, I feel like I kind of started the, the hype train on LSU this offseason. So – uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, Alabama's there. I think Missouri is is interesting. Uh, we have big big followings with Arkansas and South Carolina, so they're they're both kind of on my radar too. Because I could see those programs kind of going either way. You know, could be could be really good or could be disappointing. So um, yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I I think about all fourteen. <laughs> yeah, I um. A&M, I think, has – there's just so much volatility there. And it's one of those we have to see if Bobby Petrino really has his has the keys. Like, we won't know what this offense or what this team can be until we really see Jimbo hand over the keys. Because until that happens, I, I'm out. Like, until – but then you also think, uh, to your point, they were just this close to making the college football playoff in the COVID year. Like, that was a really, really good team that is going to be forgotten in the – just the the backdrop of college SEC football, where that Kellen Mond team that last year, they were really really good on both sides of the ball. They were super talented. We know the recruiting still there. They lost a lot to the portal, but they also gained a lot. There's still a lot of talent, and if you like Connor Wegman, who five star K got some experience last year, still have a bunch of sk- just skill make uh, skill position playmakers on this offense. Like the path to A and M being a juggernaut is still right there. That's what I think is so frustrating to try and forecast what they're going to be is like, does Jimbo just give it to Petrino? Because Petrino offenses are never bad. Like they are never bad. And if um, it's just, it's Durkin doing just a top 10, top 15 defense, which they can absolutely be, then they're going to be right there. Like A&M is, should be right there, but you just don't want to do it until you see it. I just, I would stay away. Folks, don't bet on the over-under for Texas A&M. Like that's a humongous stay away. That's probably the biggest one for me in the conference. Yeah, in their last game, you know, they were playing an LSU team that was still um, in it to be in mm-hmm. the college football playoff. They whooped them. Yeah. And I believe of the 22 starting that day, I think they got 19 of those guys back. So now three that left are arguably the three best, and they're on mm-hmm. to the NFL. So uh, take that for what it's worth. But, um, you know, it could be a very dangerous team. Of course, that, that's basically an annual offseason statement on the Aggies. <laughs> Um, South Carolina or Florida, who is more likely to miss a bowl game in 2023? Because I think one of them has to, just based on schedule alone. I think Florida. Hmm. Uh, I mean, they're I – I think it could be – I mean, they may have three first-round picks, Chase, and they just had a losing record. 
You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They may have a top five pick in the quarterback who, once Anthony Richardson went out, um, I mean, they just had nothing. Mm-hmm. Now, it was just the one game, so maybe that's not fair. And I, I never put too much emphasis on a bowl game, but that was just god-awful. They're showing against Oregon State. And I think, um, you know, when they fully unleashed Anthony Richardson, I'd, I'd love to know the backstory there. No one's really come out with it. But when he was fully unleashed, I mean, they were they were a dangerous team. And mm-hmm. he was unstoppable at times. Uh, now, other times when he wouldn't run, I think he was told not to because they knew what a drop-off they would have. And they wouldn't win a, a dang game without him in the SEC. Um, I, you know, but then you, you you lose to like Vanderbilt. I mean, that's inexcusable. I don't care. He he played in that game, mm-hmm. and they couldn't rush on Vanderbilt. So uh, they're they're losing four or five on the offensive line. They got two great running backs, but I don't have confidence in the quarterback. They just hired a twenty nine year old defensive coordinator who he's he he has a very you know impressive resume. He's worked with some great people, but is he really ready? I don't know. Um, and they just, I mean, they were just got awful on defense. So I don't, they have to be better, but I don't know how much better they will be. And their schedule's tricky right out the gate at Utah, which has won back to back Pac 12 championships and looking for revenge. I believe it's week three, they get Tennessee, but Tennessee at home, they always beat Tennessee. So you could talk me into them winning both those games, but if they lose both of them, it's, it's going to be a rough year for them. Man, I don't. The Tennessee stuff is just I. I don't know. Like I, I'll have some stuff. I, the eight and a half scares me because Tennessee with the expectations going into this year with Joe, uh, kind of concerns me. I don't know. They're going to be deeper. They're going to be better on defense, and I think that's what a lot of people are not uh, going to be anticipating. Is I think this pass rush is going to be a lot better. James Pierce, Joshua Josephs, um, they have so much more depth. They might have one of my favorite linebacking cores just in all of the SEC with uh, the three four stars coming in along with uh, Keenan Peely, the transfer from BYU, who I think is going to be really good uh, inserting that Juwan Mitchell spot. Aaron Beasley came on super strong. So I think Tennessee will be super strong uh, on defense uh, as opposed to where they were. You're, I think they take a step back on offense um, and just the tackle spots. John Campbell, we'll see if he's the right tackle. We'll see. And then it's Gerald Mincy and Crawford again. The five-star uh, offensive lineman in Darnell Wright's gone and he was just Mr. Consistent. And once Tennessee was four years removed. Remember the all five-star offensive line that they had against Georgia that Pruitt pulled together? Those guys are all gone. Heupel's not recruiting at that same level on the offensive line. And that's a big concern I still have with the the program. It's just that like he hasn't won those battles yet. And Glenn Ellaby has to start winning some of these five-star uh, offensive linemen battles. Because Rodney Garner is doing his job on the defensive line. And you don't have to worry about that. It's just the offensive line. Can you keep developing these three stars, Juco kids, and developing developing them into guys who can handle the Floridas, the Georgias, the South Carolinas, the Bamas of the SEC year in, year out? And I think this year is going to be a big test to as to whether or not that is sustainable, the way they're developing and hitting the, the offensive line. Yeah, they sure as hell didn't do it against Georgia. I'll <laughs> tell you that. But, I mean, no. hell, no one did, you know? Yeah. Um, I also, yeah, I don't know. I think I would lean South Carolina. They have the toughest schedule in college football in 2023. Lost a lot in the portal. Um, I still not sold on Spencer Rattler because I still think September and October matter. I still think those games matter. Like he went on a heater against Tennessee and Clemson. That was great. Lost the ball game. More often than not, they have been bad out of the gate. The offense, they're bringing a new offensive coordinator. We'll see how Dowell is as their new OC. 
I don't know. I think that schedule is brutal. I don't think you're beating Tennessee in September. I don't think you're beating Clemson back to back. I think right now I would say five and seven South Carolina feels a lot more realistic to me than Florida because I just I don't trust Tennessee and Florida. And like you said, and then Florida beating Utah at Utah would not surprise me in the least either. So I'm right now leaning more South Carolina and with their schedule and with how they finish their year versus the majority of what that team looked like last year, I think people are buying a little bit too much into that being a sustainable trajectory for, for the Gamecocks. Mm. Sounds like you're still hurting from that late November. I'm not hurting. They beat the crap that, Hey man, they beat the crap out of us. They deserve to celebrate. They kicked us out. They like, just, they kicked our ass. Like that happened. And Tennessee did not belong in the playoff. Like that all happened. I'm just not a believer that that's sustainable. And that South Carolina team we saw for those two weeks is the, them turning the corner. I think there's a big comeback, comeback down to earth type deal for, for South Carolina this year. That's my gut instinct. Well, one thing you've, you've not mentioned there, and, and I don't know that um, we'll see the, the value and importance of this, but we still haven't really seen Shane Beamer's recruits on the field for the yeah. most part. We've seen his transfers, certainly, but you know the, the guys he's bringing in via the high school ranks fit in his model. Uh, credit him for bringing guys in to make an impact and – the special teams have been elite. That's generally where your younger players shine early in their career. And now we'll see more and more of those guys starting to step up on offense and defense for the Gamecocks. So, yeah, I mean, I I can, I can certainly see some of the points you're making. I, I think making a bowl game, though, I, think, I, I don't think that is in doubt at all because I think the back half, their first, I'm trying to think their schedule. North I have Carolina, it in front of me. Like we North, can do this exercise real quick. You ready? Wait, wait yeah. let me let me see if I can get it because I'm okay. I, this is what I do all off season. <laughs> North Carolina and Charlotte. Yep. I mean that's that's typically like a toss up. That's toss up. Yep. And then they, don't they have like a garbage game week two, right? Furman, yes. And then add Georgia, mm-hmm. Mississippi State at home. Yep. Which is that's a dangerous team, mm-hmm. and they're going to be huge underdogs at Georgia, and then at Tennessee. Yep. So you could talk me into them losing three games there. Maybe I mean four would be. I think that'd be kind of unrealistic, but I would not be stunned if they lost three of those first five. But then the rest of them, not saying they're going to run the table by any means, but I think they could beat everybody on the schedule. There's there's one or two that I think could challenge them in the back half. I mean, they got to go to A&M. We'll see what A&M looks like. They get still get Kentucky at home. They get Clemson at home, which is nice. I just don't think they're getting back-to-back Clemson. I think Mizzou, who you like, on the road, is something not to sleep on. The battle for Columbia. Like, I would not surprise me if that's a dogfight for them, too. Might decide, like, South Carolina, Florida in October might decide which of those two teams uh, doesn't make a bowl game. Uh, that's that's a possibility. Um the worst coordinator hire in the conference this cycle will end up being which? Tommy Reese. Oh, down at Alabama. I mean, that what a joke that was. And they had to give him two million dollars and and all this. And you know, they had a handful of people turn him down. I think words out, man. I, I don't think these guys like going to work for Nick Saban, hmm. P- particularly not with Kirby dominating college football. I mean. Nick Saban's already writing these guys hard. I can only imagine how hard he's writing them now that uh, Georgia's the dominant program in the SEC. So you're not a believer that he's intentionally going back to the A.J. McCarron decade ago. We're going to ground you into submission. Defense, defense, defense. We're bringing in Kevin Steele back into the fold. 
We're going to uh, have him ride it out until Jimmy Pruitt's allowed to be my defensive coordinator again. But we're going to be defense first. We're not going to be the fun and gun that you've seen the last couple of years with Bryce and company. Because I, I feel like Ty Simpson's going to be their week one starter, is my guess. And I, it, I think Milrow ends up in the portal. I just That's my gut instinct there, is that that goes to Simpson and they go more pro style and more just boring, like ground and pound up the middle. And Tommy Reese has that pro style. We're going to go 12 personnel a bunch and it's going to resemble that Alabama dominance of a decade ago. I just don't know if that works in 2023. It feels like he's pushing against and like we're just betting on like they just had the best recruiting crisis maybe ever in the Nick Saban era. Like he's like, we have better players. I want to get back to what I'm comfortable with. And I, I feel like that's the way to sell the Tommy Reese hire, but that's not enough for, for you, I don't think. No, I mean, go ahead. Go play old man football while mm-hmm. they're throwing it all over the yard at Tennessee, you know? So uh, good luck with that strategy. Maybe it works for them. I mean, Georgia's doing – they don't quite do that, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they got the better best roster. That's why they're killing everybody. And, and Alabama, you're right, should be right there too. But uh, two years ago, Alabama signed the number one class, and about six of the 25 have made – any you know some impact while the rest have done nothing so um i'm not i don't know i I think they're they're severely on the decline there in tuscaloosa final two here uh tennessee's biggest loss and biggest win in 2023 will be against who oh man i i I don't know i don't i don't predict games this far out but uh the biggest i mean the biggest loss potential would be i think florida yeah because i i think you lose that, and then it's just kind of like the same old Tennessee, where it's like, you know, maybe they're not here to stay. Because mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I don't think Florida's not. I don't think Billy Napier's a disaster or anything. I, I always hate when people say, "What do they call him? Uh, Sunshine Billy or or Sun Sunbelt Billy or whatever." Like, mm-hmm. that's the stupidest damn thing. I hate when people. I mean, I get why people they just hate Florida. So you're gonna make mm-hmm. up a nickname for somebody. But uh, Nick Saban, you know, where did he start out? He started out at Kent State. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Josh Heupel, where did he start out as head coach? South you know, Central Florida. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's normal for a coach to, to go to the, at a lower level and, and come up, but that's that's neither here nor there. If Tennessee can't beat this Florida team, they're not going to have a good year. So mm-hmm. that, I think that would be their biggest disappointing. And, and just getting that swamp monkey off your back, so to speak, I think would be huge for Josh Heupel. I mean um, – He's he is certainly changing the narrative quickly at Tennessee, but that would be a, a significant step back. So that would be a big loss and uh, potentially the biggest win. I, I think you have to go back to back national champions, Georgia at home. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I, again, I'm not sitting here predicting the game. I don't. I'm not foolish enough to pick against Georgia. If I do that, by God, I got to hear about it for six months. <laughs> but I think that's the opportunity for for Tennessee to get a signature win under Josh Heupel and in. in they may be the only team that could beat Georgia in the regular season. I think it's going to be a dogfight, uh, pardon the pun there, but I'll be in the building. I was in it for two years ago in Tennessee. I remember I made the bet with folks that I was like, um, Tennessee will absolutely be up on Georgia after the first quarter. Like, there's no question they're going to be up on Georgia. And they were up after the first quarter. Hey, raise the banner. Um, but I think there is a slight setback with that offense. I think that you're going to see just how good Stetson was for Georgia going to – Carson Becker, Gunnar Stockton, or whoever. There's going to be a learning curve there. Um, I, I, I just, I think there's a slight setback. The defense is not going to be what it was in 2020 when they came to Knoxville, the best defense maybe we've ever seen in college football. I think it's going to be 
pretty close. My gut tells me Tennessee is going to be like seven. I think it opened already at like seven and a half. Like Tennessee, Georgia opened in March at seven and a half. So I think it's going to be, my gut tells me that that will be not a f- coin flip, but like Tennessee will have an outside shot. And I agree with you too on Florida. I think that's one, if you take, if you drop that early, the whole, like everything with Joe Milton gets a lot more shaky because if they drop that game, that means Joe Milton wasn't good. And if Joe Milton's not good there, then you're like, uh-oh. And then if you're struggling at home against UTSA, because UTSA is a really, really good G5 team that's going to come into Knoxville and they're going to score. And if it's rough and Joe Milton isn't able to keep up with Harris, the quarterback for UTSA, you know Knoxville fans. You know how they are. <laughs> uh, they And there is a Nico Iamaliava sitting behind him. And you know what's easy to chant inside Neyland Stadium? Nico. Nico is going to be loud and it's just going to be unlike anything Joe Milton could ever anticipate because until you get in there, like I've been in there when they're chanting for Harrison Bailey over Jared Garantano years ago. Nico's easy. Nico's the biggest recruit since Peyton Manning. Like they, it just, you can't prepare for that in spring ball. You can't prepare for that in summer ball. So when everyone's like, it's Joe Milton's job, I'm like, that's great. Joe Milton can say he's ready. Like, I hope it happens. Like it's better for Tennessee football if Joe Milton's awesome and a Heisman guy this year. Like that's the best case scenario for Tennessee football. I'm just saying, Tennessee fans with 100,000 plus are have already seen the worst of Joe Milton. They've seen him run out of bounds when the game was on the line against Ole Miss. They've seen him overthrow dude after dude. They all want him to succeed, but there is still this trepidation around everywhere here in Knoxville about this being sustainable for 12 to 13 games. And when you have a five-star kid where they're like, if we're going to play like this, just put in the five-star. Just put him in and let him get his reps. I, I hope that's not what happens. But you know Tennessee fans, and I'm my gut tells me that it's going to be rocky all season long. Most chantable name since Jim Bob Cooter. <laughs> they love chanting for that guy. Even though, I mean, yeah. I don't know he ever saw the field in any meaningful action. Uh, final question. Very quick. LSU should be considered the favorite to win the national title in 2023, true or false? I have true here. The favorite? No, false. Okay, who do you have as the favorite? Georgia. Do you three Pete? Oh yeah, I mean I don't I don't know if they're going to even get tested in the regular season. So mm. um, unless we'll see how many more you know speeding violations they get down there. But uh, I mean, and Kirby doesn't even suspend anybody. So yeah, they'll be good. Wow, three Pete though, man. I think if Stetson was back, you could talk me into predicting three Pete. But it's so rare, man. A three Pete in this sport, that's just. That's a lot. I'm not saying it's going to happen, I, I, yeah. but I would say they're the favorite to do it. That's fair. Uh, well, what can we check out from you across the podcast? Uh, we mentioned the Paul Feinbaum show uh, that you had on your very program, so go check that out on your YouTube page, audio, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, we're both over here at the Blue Wire Pod Network, but what can the good folks check out from you uh, the rest of this week and uh, going forward? What do you want to plug, man? Yeah, we got a couple more of our in-studio interviews coming up from uh we actually recorded them during sec chain you know the tournament uh mm-hmm. there in nashville so we got a couple more of those coming out content we, we should have several more shows this week but uh yeah just hanging out and uh you know search that sec podcast highest rated sec show on apple and spotify or just search sec mike you should be able to find all that There you go. Well, it's great to meet you. Great talking ball. And uh, keep up the good work, sir. And I'd love to have you back on again in the future. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man.
Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.